This is an ohs.com.au production. Welcome to episode 42 of the Australian Health and Safety Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with Sirkin Dogan. It is Dogan, isn't it? It is Dogan. Um, in Turkish, it's pronounced Dogan, but hey, we're in Australia. Yep. And so you've, um, you've been involved in the world of health and safety for a while, Sirkin. Um, tell us how you, you sort of got into it. Um, I guess my career started back in an insurance company, humble beginnings, selling general insurance to the public. Um, got a taste for workers' comp after moving positions in that same company. Yeah. Uh, moving from an assistant case manager all the way to a treasury, treasury, man- uh, treasury managed fund uh, case manager. Yep. I uh, had the opportunity to work in a self-insured environment for transport for New South Wales um, and dealt with over my career probably about over 500 um, injuries, including you know, someone losing their life on the railways uh, to PTSD claims for our train drivers. Um, and also, uh, you know, someone uh, finally succumbing to uh, a disease um, through work and, and losing their life as well. Um, that kind of gave me the taste of if we can do something in the reactive mechanism for the workers' comp world. Yep. Um, a few changes back here in the preventative side um, can stop this issue from happening. And so do you, do, do you think that um, most companies are still, like, reactive or do you think that there is a culture more of preventative, um, I don't know, might be a little bit of a controversial question, but I, I guess it depends on the company. But what, do, what are your views on that? I mean, can we be doing more? It's the it's a million dollar question. Uh, as a, as a WHS professional practitioner, um, you'd always uh, you'd be shooting yourself in the foot to say everyone's all good, not reactive. Um, <laughs> however, however, uh, organisations the bigger they get, unfortunately, from my experience, um, WHS is an afterthought. Um, Isn't it? So yep. so, that, so they'll build the business, um, leave WHS as an afterthought, and then realise that they have to put in a number of processes and resources to make sure that they're looking after that space. So that, uh, that's, when, that's when the Band-Aids come out. The cracks start to happen and they go, oh, geez, we haven't got a system for that. Better, better fix that now. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't know this was an advertisement for Band-Aid, um, but <laughs> you, 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 you're not wrong. So, so for me, more times than not, I, I get involved because uh, something's either hit the brick wall and we need to pull the, uh, pull the wires back, so to speak. Yeah. Um, uh, an ideal person or an ideal uh, workplace is somewhere where they understand they're growing and they understand they need to do something in WHS space. They don't know what and they know they need something. It's just where I come in is giving them the best style or the best practice and simplifying WHS. That's where I come in. Yeah, right. So is that something that you come across fairly commonly where big companies have overcomplicated what they need to do? Um, as, as, as a result of their own doings, yes. But at the same time... Um, not realising that if they didn't do WHS planning at the start, you're actually overcomplicating the process for yourself. And more times than not, you actually have to scale back the process in order to look at it appropriately from WHS end. I look at it like building a house, like you've got to get the foundations right. And if you don't have the foundations right and you suddenly go, oh, we've got a growing family, we'll tack on a bedroom here and a bathroom there, and you're not really thinking about the bigger picture, then that's where maybe the house falls over. Or what collapses. Could have, what could have turned into what, what could have been a fifteen hundred dollar plumbing job turns into a twenty thousand dollar <laughs> dig out of the property, right? So to speak. 
Yeah. Um, what, what are your what are, what are your what are your um take? What's your take on it, Brendan? And you've, you've you've had more years in the in the in the industry than me. Well, look, I'm um my <clears throat> the other business that I have is an RTO, and um we're predominantly doing training. And yeah, unfortunately, it is often the ship will hit the fan, and then you go, oh, we've uh, we've been given an improvement notice, or and then it becomes very reactive, or um. In a lot of cases, I mean, we do a lot of license training, so that's like a permit to work, so to speak. So you you have to do it before you start working. But, yeah, I mean, look, the system's not perfect, but um, I guess that's what, you know, having these conversations is all about, to get, get that conversation happening and, and um, see if we can make small incremental changes and ultimately saving lives, right? Look, essentially um, it's the, the saving lives thing um, in my experience in i guess 33 years on this earth yep we can we can sell as practitioners we're saving lives um, but unless an organization has had a death in their organization um they're not really going to, to it's not really going to prick their ears to say hey we're saving lives however the the angle that i choose to come from is if you've got an organization that's pretty much scattered or it's quite broad um uh, demographically or um true to its processes i've always found that there's one thing that can bring an organization together and that's the overarching banner of safety. So if you mm. do have a scattered organisation, you can use that as an opportunity to bring safety back into the business and bring your whole organisation together because if it's one thing that everyone cares for at work, it's it's safety at work and making sure they get home safe. So that's that's my, my thing, getting home safe. And so you were doing uh, transport for New South Wales for almost three years. What happened after that? Uh, after that, I decided to say to myself, well, look, I'm a case manager now and I'm looking after the reactive mechanism. Um, there was some, uh, th- that was the turning point of my career where I've said, okay, now I'm going to start to focus on WHS return to work and injury management. Um, following that year that I had off to just get my head together, I moved out to Wagga Wagga just to basically get a bit of a sea change from the city mm-hmm. following that year. Um, I actually had the opportunity and pleasure of helping a local council um, in Western Sydney, which was an amalgamated council, which brought its own, uh, I guess, uh, let's just say, intricacies with it. Um, and when you when you when you say amalgamated, you mean that it was this with all the big changes and there was lines drawn and Council A was it was then Council A, B, C, and D. Correct. So essentially in my, uh, I can't speak for other councils, but I think there was about four or five amalgamations that happened in New South Wales, so to speak, at that time, around the 2017, 18 or possibly 16. Um, when I came into that local council, you had essentially three separate organisations vying for which safety management system they look for. In amongst okay. all of that, in amongst all of that, um, you also had the issue of different pays with people. So, you know, you'll have one WHS person on this end getting paid a certain amount, another WHS person getting paid this amount and saying, well, I don't need to do as much as you need to do. So rather than looking after your workers, you had people vying for their positions. Right. Take that to the side. Um, you actually, um, when you're looking at the dollar value of what this mean, meant for the council, they were actually paying a $3.5 million premium on their wages. One of, one of the components of that um, $3.5 million bill was they're actually getting multi, a multiplying factor on their premium. So as any business owner would know, you need to pay workers' compensation premium to run a business if you have workers. 
And through that, you either receive a, a, a base premium, um, depending on your claims history and your injuries that you have, you either get an increase on that every year that sticks, that sticks with you, or depending on your claims performance, it's going great, you actually get a discount on your premium. Um, so the pleasure I had at that council was one, I'm not only changing the culture, but two, uh, saving the bottom line after two years, um, dropping that premium by 1.5, and they're getting a discount by 0.75 on that premium as well. So wow. Win. So, so how, <laughs> let, let's walk walk through how you actually can do that because I think there'd be a lot of businesses that would be interested in dropping their <laughs> workers' comp premiums. Like what are some simple things that companies can do to, to make a material difference? I guess uh, – Simple is not the way to go in those types of circumstances. When you're when you're paying that type of premium, um, simple is out the door. What the what the game becomes is you need to put a bottle cap on your injuries, i.e., how are you managing those injuries? So essentially, if you're bleeding money, um, you put in processes to look after your workers in such a way that uh, suitable work and return to work or recovery at work, so to speak, is a day to day part of the business. So one, you get injured at work, no problem, thank you. Um, our safety systems will look after the preventative side after that. So there's a lessons learned piece. However, yep. once that injury occurs, what do you actually do for the worker? And that's a very powerful um, process within an organisation because once you do it for one person, you're basically setting the standard for everybody else. So one injury turns into three injuries going awesome. Three injuries turns into 20 injuries going awesome and you're not paying a wage on them. Um, so then essentially the, the, the bottom line for me for that council was provide suitable work for your workers and get them into treatment early. So two parts, immediate reporting and early intervention. Is there a resistance from workers to go down that pathway? I mean, I, I, I mean, this is a big generalisation, but I can, I can imagine some workers, not all obviously, would be quite happy just to sit on their butt at home and go, I'm getting paid, sweet. Um, workers' comp's looking after me, I don't have to do anything. Is there, is there some resistance from workers' not wanting to come back to work? I guess the resistance that I that I faced was an uncertainty in people's jobs and their livelihoods. Okay. Uh, the scheme in New South Wales, the workers' comp scheme, is probably one of the best schemes in the world where it looks after you know, the, the, the weekly rate for workers and how it's calculated and also the benefits, that the medical benefits that they get. So my tool or my, my journey, so to speak, was to specify to the workers, one, if you get injured, injuries happen, um, but they're all preventable. However, if they do happen, um, we're going to look after you. And that can only come through past the, the words that you speak. It's, it's actually through your actions. So, yes, there's a three to six month uh, resistance to the change, so to speak, like in anything. Um, however, through your, through your discussions with people and through what you're actually doing for them, um, it turns into, well, I don't actually want to be injured anymore because we started a premise at that council. You think safe, you actually act safe, and you get home safe. So we... Um, not only told them that this is what we're going to do to look after them, but we also took advantage of National Safe Work Month and brought out a safety speaker to say, hey, look, you can get injured, you can get looked after work, but it's not just me that's dealing with it, it's the actual family members that are dealing with it. So, mm. yep, the, you had the people that I'd be, I'd be more than happy to, to sit at home and not work. However, the second thought that came in after that is, um, what am I actually doing to my family here? What am I doing for the people around me? And do I really want to be that person for my family? And that's what really drove home with our people. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, what sort of, is it policies or training or how do you prevent these injuries happening in the first place? Or I, I guess it's a multi-prong approach. So like you said, the multi-prong approach, um, 
first off, I could not do anything unless I had data to deal with. So, yep, it's all well and good. I can deal with hearsay. This happens, this happens, and this happens. But I can't deal with the past in the sense of what used to happen. So I needed to get a 12 months uh, worth of empirical data. So I needed a system. So after implementing a system, you had a 12-month worth of data uh, portfolio that said, these are where your issues are. We're going to tackle our programs into these sections. Um, following that, we're actually going to implement safety champions within the business that are going to run this for us. With about three or four different changes in different parts of the business, you started to see a snowball effect of, well, look, these guys are able to do this this way and get what they need from the WHSN. We're going to do it the same. So it's actually building it and they will come type of situation. We allowed our workers to run the safety management system, not us telling them what to do. And so that safety management system, is that something that's online or is it is it, I don't know, written it's policies? Or? <laughs> it's, it's, it's very interesting. So um, when, when, when people talk about safety management systems, they expect this awesome program or, <laughs> or, 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 or hip-to-do-da dashboard. Um, quite frankly, the system is basically a set of policies and procedures. And yeah. if there's an online system attached to that, um, that could be used as a tool. Anyone can write a policy or procedure. You can pay X amount of dollars and implement it. Um, you could probably pay someone to write up a policy. However, that policy is only as good as what it's going to be used for. So essentially, yep, the policy will keep your big wigs happy and keep your regulators at bay. However, what actually happens is you need to go onto the ground with your people, spend some time with the crews, literally jump in the truck, spend a day with them. Don't even talk. Listen, yeah. <laughs> literally listen, find out what needs to happen and actually ask them about their time at the organisation, what could be different. Yeah. Through those, you will get, you'll gain a general understanding of what needs to happen. And so to speak, if you move on those actions from what everybody's saying, um, it's, 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 a big, it's a big kicker for, a, for, for your higher-ups or top-down approach that basically say, well, we've been looking for this information and now we can do it. Yeah. It's, so it's, essentially it's being, it's being a conduit for your people and be a conduit from the top down as well. Yeah, so you're like the bridge between uh, two cohorts that may not necessarily speak to each other. Half of our time is more than likely spent on providing what our value is to, to the table and making people understand the value. Yeah, so that's probably a great segue to um, tell us about what you're currently doing, which is Falcon Consulting Group. It's your own business. What made you go out on your own? Because that's it's a, very exciting. It's, it's a bit of a step, isn't it, to to be you know, uh, you know, a, a stable uh, local government job. You've got you know hundreds of employees that you're looking after. There'd be a huge sense of satisfaction, I would imagine, in making changes like saving workers, you know, making making places safer to work in, and also reducing premiums for for um, council. What made you start Falcon? I said to myself, I can do this for a thousand people over a local government area of 28 suburbs, and it's for a thousand workers. Um, why can I? Why should I be denying the world of my expertise? And how can I actually spread this faster than what I'm doing now? So, if I were to go out on my own, one that gives me the opportunity to sell to everybody that hey. Safety doesn't have to be so complicated. Safety is quite simple so long as you've got the right resources in play, you've got the right mindset, and you've got the right people in play. Mm -hmm. So for me, going out as a consultant is not just to go and make money. Obviously, everyone's going to live. But for me, it's actually bigger than that. Um, it's to make every it's to make this place a bit safer, one organisation at a time. Yep. 
it's as simple as that. Um, as and some people turn around to me when I started this journey to say, "Hey, look, that's all good. You know, everyone wants to everyone wants to change the world and all the rest of it. Yeah, look, the world's going to change on its own. Um, I just assist with the change of, hey, if we're moving into this space, this is what you need to be looking after. Yep. Is that the motivation for the name Falcon? Like it, it sounds like you you jet in there pretty quick, make the changes you need to make, and that it, it's, not sure what's hit these companies aren't sure what's hit them. <laughs> it's um it's 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 a two pronged approach actually. Um yes, uh, my first my first initial thing was how how do I how, if I were to look at myself and my style of how I do for someone. It's actually, I work better in the background. I, I give a helicopter's view, so to speak. Yep, yep. Um, and, and like the falcon, he's got a problem of being hungry, uh, but he's also the fastest animal in the world. So when he's hungry, uh, to find a solution for that problem, he dives in as fast as possible, gets what he needs, leaves. Yep. But makes sure at the same time, he can have that overview at the same time. So in addition to that, my surname, Bogan in Turkish, actually means falcon as well. So Oh, wow, okay. That's, just collided. That, that's, uh, <laughs> that's really, really cool. That's really cool. Thank you. Thank you. I thank my dad for that one. <laughs> and, and so with Falcon, um, how are you going about, you know, people finding out about what Circon does? Is it, is it word of mouth or? How? It's, 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 it's very interesting. I've actually kept, I, I, prior to this, I was quite active on LinkedIn, but now yep. I'm very, very selective of when I start to, 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 to portray myself on the LinkedIn aspect because I guess um, one month, uh, one and a half months now into the actual full business, I've, I've got about three or four clients. And for me, it's a matter of how do I display to people um, that I've got these clients and this is what I'm doing for them. So for me, um, yep, there's going to be a marketing aspect of LinkedIn. But for me, the best way that I've seen out of the clients that I've got is word of mouth. So yeah. one person has spoken to another to say, hey, this is the problem that I had and they just fixed it. Um, Give an example, we had a client that came through um, about three weeks ago with an issue from SafeWork. Um, it was a mum and dad builder um, who saw some, uh, who saw a person working at an adjacent property doing some roofing and guttering, approached the person, um, said, could you do mine? Yep, no problem. I run a business. I'll be there and I'll do it in two days. After the first day, um, the person had actually fallen off a ladder about four metres high, um, seriously injured himself and safe work, uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, um, had provided this mum and dad uh, homeowner with a prohibition notice. Um, them not realising um, and or telling me that they had provided a scaffold, a mini scaffold to this person, um, that person had then put an extension ladder on the scaffold um, and, so to speak, has fallen off that ladder. So... This mum and dad operator basically said to me, well, I don't know what we're going to do with this and I, I don't even know what I need to do with this. Um, quite frankly, in 24 hours, the regulator was actually going to put forward a fine to them. Um, within 24 hours, we got in contact with the regulator to advise this is what our uh, home, build, home builder has done um, and these are the regulations that we've explained to them as to not being able to do that again. So, so, so you're with, saying this was an owner builder, is that right? Like somebody building their own... No, no, this was purely a person who owned a property. Oh, gotcha. Okay. He owned a property, needed some work done on his roof, thought out of the goodness of his heart, I don't want this person to, um, you know, use a couple of ladders to get up there. I'll give him my scaffold, not realising that he's actually, not realising that he's provided an unsafe working environment, but also not proper instructions. So long story short, um, going down the path of worrying about how to deal with the regulator and everything else, within 24 to 48 hours, that was put to bed for that person. Yeah, um, wow. The the sense of the, the sense of 
uh, I guess, ability to help someone after that became very apparent to me, saying, well, if I can do this for a mum and dad, um, yeah. this is what Falcon's going to be built on. I don't want small to medium type enterprises to be losing out on what the big corporations have, have got. Yeah. And so this is where I come in. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm that conduit or that fill in the gap person. Yeah, fair enough. And then so for the um, for the businesses that you're working for, is there particular uh, industries you like to work with or you're not? I don't, I don't like to deny any industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, for me, from what I've learned at, at, through my master's at university, uh, at, the safety game is probably about 80% the same with all organisations. The 20% you'll either pick up from the resources within the business yeah. um, or other people within the safety in, uh, within the safety world that will give you that advice. So yeah. for me, um, I don't want to shy away from any business whatsoever. The only thing that will stop me is, is is not having the appropriate tickets at the time. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So pretty <laughs> much. That's where you come in. That's the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, um, so it is really that 80-20 rule where, you know, 80% of it, roughly speaking, is it's the same principles, but then you contextualise the last 20% to to whatever that business does. 100%. Yep. That's awesome. Um, Sirkin, what's your website if people wanted to reach out to you or contact uh, details? The, uh, the website is falconcg.com.au. Um, people can find me on info at falconcg.com.au. Um, my contact number is also 0433-688-WHS. <laughs> cool. And are you, um, are you working nationally or mate, predominantly in New South Wales at the moment? Uh, they've, a lot of people have told me to go national. The way yep. that I see it is um, warm the eggs that you're sitting on. So for me, I specialise in New South Wales. Yeah, it's not to say that if someone needs a, a national rollout of a program, uh, that's not something that we can't do. Um, for me, it's it, I, I, I try and stay in New South Wales for now, though. And I'm curious, it, can a lot of this work in the initial uh, consultation be done over Zoom, or do you do you need to go face to face? For me, um, I, I don't want to be the person that's going to charge you for an initial consultation or anything. Usually, uh, most people understand over the phone that I'm the right person for them. Um, it might take a follow-up face-to-face just to put a name to the face and finally get the full requirements. We don't charge yeah. for that either. Um, yeah. We charge for when the work starts. Yeah. Well, I really like your approach. You've got a great, um, you know, a light, it's, you know, you come, you strike me as someone who approaches things in a light-hearted manner, but obviously it's a very serious subject, so... Um, good to have, good to have that balance where it's fun, it's serious, but it, you can make it fun and, and get uh, results. When, when, when we were playing football as kids, if the, if the coach kept coming down with us with a hard hammer, would we ever learn? <laughs> so you keep things lighthearted, have a bit of fun while you're at it because at the end of the day, everything is legislated and is regulated in the way that we need to do it. So it comes down to who are the people that you're dealing with and what is the point of putting someone into the ground when it's something they need to know. Yep. That's fantastic, Sirkin. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time, Brendan. And I appreciate your time on the podcast and good luck with everything. You've been listening to an ohs.com.au production. I hope you've been enjoying listening to the podcast. If you are, it'd be great if you could help us out by leaving us a review and sharing this with friends and colleagues.